And I think all the things that you just touched on are exactly what I experienced, you know, at work. And, you know, even when you mentioned being at school and being punished, you know, for who you are, um, like I've had those experiences as a kid myself, you know, people say I'm too bossy. They're like, why are you always telling people what to do? I don't know. Like, just like things. You're like, I'm organized. a Virgo. No. Like, <laughs> I'm like, this Wait, is are you who I am. <laughs> Right. No, I'm an Aries, but I'm like, I'm teasing, I'm like, teasing. Yeah. I'm like, no, I like things being organized. I like structure, you know, like I'm just very, everything has to be in its place. But that was always seen as a problem, you know, especially, you know, even as I got into the workplace, it's like, I'm very efficient. I'm like, you know, we can do this and be done in an hour. And they're like, no, let's <laughs> keep doing this thing. That's going to take five hours. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. So it's like, so there's always that friction, you know, that you have like you said when you're speaking your mind when you're trying to be yourself when you're trying to show up fully um, but you really can't so I think I was always like a shadow of myself and I couldn't really do work in a way that felt fulfilling to me which was what led me to to get into entrepreneurship because I was like okay working for somebody else is not going to work so I felt like even if I left my other job you know my last job I was thinking hey maybe I can look for something else in the nonprofit world but then quickly I'm like no it's probably going to end up being the same because I'm like I have these issues at every job so it's not just a it's not just the place it's like I got to a point where I know that like this is just the culture as a whole and like you said it affects everybody but I feel like it was affecting me even more as a black woman because on top of the issues of you know having to ask for this and all the office politics and bureaucracy there's also that I you know the bias that people have toward us whether they say it or not or whether they are intentional. It's like, it's just always there. Black women are going to entrepreneurship at rates that are significantly higher than other communities. We talk about the not so sexy part of entrepreneurship, the American workplace and working as black women in America. What we both found was that entrepreneurship has allowed us to lean into aspects of our personalities that we often got penalized for in our nine to fives. Next week, Quinesha will be releasing a book that discusses some of these issues and really puts a light on some conversations that she feels haven't made their way into the common discourse. If you are a fan of the envelope system, but are afraid of accidentally losing your cash, Cube Money is a digital envelope app that is FDIC insured and uses a debit card. I'm really obsessed with it. I've actually been testing out for the past four months, almost five, and I feel very comfortable sharing cube money with you. I am an affiliate. That means if you sign up, I might earn a little money, but honestly, it's an amazing tool to help manage your money, especially a person like me who's paid off a significant amount of debt and used the regular envelope system. And I would always be nervous that I would lose the cash. Cube money is a digital app that's paired with a debit card. So you get one in the mail and I love it. I wish I'd had it while I was paying off my $60,000, but I didn't and I have it now. So anyway, I hope you enjoy this conversation with my guest, Quinesha Jackson Wright.
excited to have this conversation with the following guest. This conversation, which, which I did not tell you what it's about, but we're going to talk a lot about stepping out on your own, building a business that's intentionally equity focused for ourselves, using our platforms to broaden the conversations around race, money, equity, and just all the things. So I am super excited to have Kanisha Wright Jackson. Wow. Wait, is that your last name? Kanisha Jackson Wright. Ah, I knew something was wrong. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I'm going to probably keep that in. So I am excited to have Kanisha Jackson Wright as a guest on today's episode. I so I'm going to keep that in because that's kind of hilarious. (laughs) If you could introduce yourself properly instead of what I just did, share your name, who you are, and what you do, and we're going to get into it. Yes, so I am Quanisha Jackson Wright, um, aka K Wright, uh, as I go by for my blogger name on Money the Right Way. I'm a freelance journalist and blogger. I'm mostly writing about personal finance, um, and I've also recently gotten into the entrepreneurial side of finance and business. And I have a book coming out that we're going to be talking about, um, which is titled yes. "Working Twice as Hard: The Reality of Entrepreneurship for Black Women." So. Very excited to to have this chat. I know we we talk about these things all the time, but it's good to have a official <laughs> podcast episode. Yes, and we've spoken before, and clearly I didn't practice your name often enough, even though we've spoken <laughs> before on a long like Zoom conversation face to face. So Quinisha. Yes. Am I right? Okay, yes. for the love of God. Um <laughs> I, if there's nothing that doesn't drive me crazy, it's to mispronounced names because I have a fun first name, which I'm not going to share, okay. but uh, we're going to get, we're going to get right. So I would love to know, how did you even get into freelancing and what type of freelance work do you do? So I got into freelancing, I want to say around early 2018, and I kind of just fell into it. It wasn't like a super, you know, planned out strategy. Um, but basically I was always writing. So I had a client that I just kind of reached out to who was like an acquaintance um, and she had like a career coaching business. So I saw she had a blog and I reached out to her, I think on Facebook and said, Hey, like, do you need somebody to write blog posts for you? And she said, sure. So we started working together in 2018. And then I'd say later that year, I actually ended up relocating from St. Louis, Missouri to California for a job. And at that time, I kind of got connected with some other freelancers who were actually doing this for like a living. And I was fascinated by that because I had never known anybody who did freelancing full time. Um, I didn't even know that was like an option. So I was always talking to them, trying to figure out, you know, how they got clients, you know, how they were pricing their work and all that fun stuff. So they gave me a lot of great information and eventually job wasn't really working out the way that I hoped. So I ended up going freelance full-time in uh, April 2019. And the freelance work that I do now is primarily writing. So I write articles, blog posts, newsletters, uh, a little bit of social media, but not too much. Yeah, but it's mostly writing right now and getting into a little bit of copywriting here lately, which is different than like the more journalistic work that I've done in the past. But yeah, writing is my 
my bread and butter. What about freelancing as a business has surprised you? What has surprised me? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I don't know if there's been any like major surprises, but I guess the thing that's been different in my personal experience than what I've seen kind of promoted online is that it's not a quick process. Um, I think a lot of online advice about freelancing kind of poses it as this like super get rich quick thing or you know you can just get some freelance work really quickly and that hasn't been my experience you know it's usually someone will reach will reach out and say hey we need you know this project or we have something coming up in the works would you be interested and then you say hey yeah I'm interested and then it's like oh, okay we'll talk to you in like a month or two months so it's definitely hasn't been like this quick instant getting tons of work right at this second. A lot of it is building relationships, talking to people about future projects, or they decide they might want to work with you in a few months or a year. I mean, I've had clients who I reached out to almost two years ago who are just now saying like, hey, we'd like to work together. So um, I think just the pacing of it is a lot different than what I anticipated in the beginning. What were you paid for your first project? The other, the other day I was working on some content about this and I was like, Man, I got paid 15 bucks for my first post, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like outside of my own blog, yeah. uh, which was obviously free. So I was working in negative right. numbers, but could you talk about getting paid for your first couple of projects and what that was and, and how you felt about it? Yeah, definitely. It's funny you said that because actually before that client who was paid, like you said, I did, you know, do some free blog posts for like a, I think it was like an online magazine. So yeah, there was definitely a lot of just like writing just, you know, just to get a portfolio. So free was the amount that I got, you know, in the <laughs> first couple. Um, but then the actual first paid uh, freelance gig, it was $50 per blog post and I uh, actually negotiated up from <laughs> I think she had offered like 25 or something like that so uh -huh. I negotiated up to 50 and I felt like super proud of myself and I was so like yes I'm a real you know <laughs> freelance writer now so yeah I actually was like really proud and feeling like that was an accomplishment which it was at the time because I mean if you've never been paid for your work to actually ask for that and advocate for yourself is a big deal so um yeah but then eventually of course you realize like yeah I can't live oh wait know, a minute dollars <laughs> a blog post so I'm like yeah I definitely have to you know try to get a little bit more than this so over time you know I started increasing to not with her but just with other clients you know like 150 to 200 and then just kind of kept going from there um yeah, but in the beginning, it was around 50 to 100. And I had a few people who offered me $30 for like a, I think it was like 800 words or something. And I was like, eh, no, I can't do that. <laughs> so yeah, but it's, I think it's always a learning curve when you first start out, because you don't really know what the market is, because it's so wide. You know, you have some people saying, like you said, you get 10 bucks for an article and other people are just at a dollar a word. And so it's freelancing is all over the place, especially with writing. I have a question. I'm wondering, did you have like a money mindset and business pricing moment where you were like, wait a minute, this is how much I think I'm worth. And why that, why are you thinking you, the client thinking uh, this is the value 
of the work I, I should be doing for you. I feel like many people who do freelance work, there's a point where you're just like, no, 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 son, this is not, <laughs> this is yeah. not going to work. Yeah. And, and you, it's not that you get cocky. It's that yeah. you're like, look, I know what I'm bringing to you. I've built up a platform. I've done all these things and yeah. this isn't going to work. So yeah. did you, did you have a moment like that where you were like, Eureka, this, yeah. we're, I'm at a, a crossroads and and you just crossed me. <laughs> yeah. Um I want to say for me that moment if I had one was probably after I was published uh in the New York Times for the first time because that was such a another big accomplishment and it happened so early in my freelance writing career. Um and at that like after that it wasn't like you said, it's not like you're cocky or just, oh, like, who do you think you know who you are? But it's like <laughs> after that, when people came to me and they're like, oh, yeah, we can pay this. And it's like super low. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, OK, I've literally sent you my clips saying I wrote for the New York Times. So how can you still come to me and want New York Times quality writing, but you don't want to pay? You know, so I think I definitely was kind of starting to get to that point where I'm like, no. That was kind of like the stamp of approval for me. It's how much better can you get, you know, as a writer? It's like, that's the milestone that so many of us try to get to, you know, as writing for a major outlet. I'm like, so if I've reached that, why do I still feel like I only deserve so little? You know, what's the point of getting to that milestone if you're still going to accept less than, than what you had before you reached that milestone? So, yeah, I think that that was probably a big moment for me. I follow you on Twitter and... I actually find money Twitter to be so fun because it's all politics, race and class, power. It's it's like a telenovela, basically. Yeah. And you share a lot of content around how you feel as a woman of color in the personal finance space, how the PF bros can be a turnoff in terms of being a part of that space. And you spend a lot of time sharing your voice and your experience. So could you talk a little bit about why you share what you do on Twitter and on your platforms and, and what you feel the, the purpose is and who you're serving as you share your thoughts? When I first started on Twitter, it wasn't even... I guess I never really thought of it as like branding myself or, you know, trying to have this major platform like it was basically just random thoughts that would come to me <laughs> literally I'm just like you know what gets on my nerves and then I just tweeted and then like people would <laughs> and like people would respond to it I was like oh okay I guess I'm not the only one who feels this way so I think that's really honestly how it started is that like I'm very I'm introverted so I don't really you know have conversations with a ton of people in my everyday life but I think I kind of see writing and of course, with Twitter, since you're writing, that's kind of like an outlet, you know, to kind of get your thoughts out. So I think that's really how it started. Um, and then also, as I'm sure you know, being in the personal finance space is that there aren't, I mean, there are a lot of us, you know, as people of color, but not as many as our white counterparts. So um, so I just felt like there needed to be that different perspective of somebody who's not, you know, making six figures at a tech company and, you know, had their parents give them a house, you know, that they can just live in and get passive income. I'm like, that's not where I came from. So I can't 
speak to that. You know, I can't relate to that. So I'm like, all I can talk about is what I, you know, what I've dealt with, you know, being in the military, being from a low income family. So I think I just share what I think, what I see, and I hope, you know, that it resonates with other people. How does being a Black woman impact your actual business decisions, such as the projects that you choose, who you work with and pricing? I've always talked about social equity and and different topics that in the beginning, sometimes I felt a little weird, like no one else is talking about this. And I'm sharing this randomly on my site sometimes. And, but I felt really passionate about it. And I, and, and it was very important to me to sometimes just get these thoughts out because in the beginning with my, my project with Michelle's money hungry, I called it something else, but I wasn't trying to make money or anything. I was just trying to make a difference and, and, and also just get some things off my chest. Yeah. As I've changed into going from self-employment to being an entrepreneur, which are very different. And we'll talk about that for yourself as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm being very deliberate about everything, about the kind kinds of projects that I work on, the companies that I work with, mm-hmm. the content that I share, like personally, like as on social media, that kind of thing. Could you talk about how that looks for you and your business and and the impact that it has. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think definitely, especially within the last year since this, you know, pandemic has changed everyone's life. Of course, I've had a lot of time to reflect and to think about what it is that I really want, especially for business. Who do I want to work with? You know, who do I want to represent? Because, Of course, there's always going to be companies who want to work with you, but it's like, does that reflect on who you are? Does it reflect with your values? So I think within the last year, especially, I have been more intentional about companies that I work with. Um, And of course, as we all know, there was like the big Black Lives Matter reawakening last summer and a lot of companies you know were starting to want to work with writers who are black and personally I feel like that's okay I guess I mean I feel like it came from a good place but also for me personally I prefer to work with companies who are already moving in that direction so I think that's another thing that I was thinking about you know as I was taking on clients like okay have we formed a relationship before now you know or are you just reaching out because I'm the black writer you know it's like because for me I feel that that has an effect on the relationship and it has an effect on how I feel about doing the work yeah so I definitely think just being cautious and paying attention to the motives of different brands and what it is that they're saying what message it is that they want to get across to their audience I think I'm starting to pay attention to that even more as I'm growing my platform because I mean I notice that people are paying attention to what I say and they do trust you know my voice in a a way so I take that seriously and I I'm not gonna you know take a deal just because it's money you know like I care more about if it really means something if it's really helping and if it's actually making the progress that I believe in so I hope that answers your question (laughs) Um, it does, but then it, it brings up another one, another one, which is you also have to take care of yourself, right? right. So there's this, yeah. this tension in any kind of business, I think, but especially with businesses like ours that are very much, they're focused on not only empowering other people, but also the process of empowering ourselves. And one of the things that I 
have found is in the beginning of my business, I didn't have, like, I didn't have the flexibility to say no to projects and things like, I just didn't, I didn't have the money and I was broke and I was probably the dumbest thing was to go into business. And, (laughs) but in in terms of for my money, like I, when I look back, I'm like, oh my God, I can't even believe you did all that. But, but for my mental health and well being, it was actually the best decision. Mm -hmm. So it was like this weird intersection of self-care and financial potential nuclear bomb, but it it worked out. But in, in the beginning, like I really couldn't say no. Right. Right. Now I'm at a point where I want to understand the process of not only attracting work, but also creating products and and being able to sell them so that I can turn things down that don't serve me well. How have you built that into your business? Like the, how have you built up a, not even necessarily a financial buffer, but a if I can't do this because, you know, these project projects aren't, aren't right for me, philosophically, ethically, what, ha- what have you, I can lean on these other things instead. So what does mm-hmm. that look like for you? That's actually, I mean, I think that's kind of where I'm at now, which is what I think prompted me also to write this book, because I mean, I don't know what will happen with it. I'm hoping it, it does well. Um, but yeah, I do want to have like some other passive income that I can rely on so that, like you said, I, I do have more flexibility to turn down uh, certain projects because I mean, I've been there, we've all been there where it's like, you do have to take some things just because you need the money. Um, so yeah, I definitely try to be conscious of what I take on. Um, sometimes it is just like, Hey, I'll take this until something better comes along and I don't judge anybody for what they do. You know, you have to pay the bills. So if you're freelancing and working for yourself and you end up taking on something that maybe is not the ideal project, I mean, that's, it is what it is. But um, I do also encourage people to find other streams of income and just other avenues outside of strictly doing freelance projects. Because I think we all know that as this climate is getting even stranger uh those are starting to be not as reliable maybe as they once were so um and i know everybody doesn't want to write a book or whatever but i mean just finding those i guess those projects or those uh products like you mentioned that can last you know beyond just a client relationship i would love to talk about your book why you decided to write it and what were some of the experiences that kind of played into the development of of the book and the topic? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got the idea, or it kind of started poking at me probably around the beginning of 2020. And I think there was, uh, and you'll probably see it in the book later on, but there's a report from American Express about the state of I think it's either black women owned businesses or women of color owned businesses. And one of the statistics that they shared was that black women start businesses at a higher rate than any other demographic. And I was like, Oh, that's interesting. And they, you know, they didn't really say a lot about like why that was, but I think a lot of different media outlets kind of took that and ran with it. And it kind of turned into like the, 
the black girl magic kind of thing and like you know black women are ambitious and this and that and I was like oh yeah like we definitely are I'm like but then there's got to be some other parts to that too because I know for myself going into owning a business or being an entrepreneur it wasn't just all sunshine and rainbows it wasn't just oh yeah I have been wanting to do this since the beginning of time it was just I need to make money but working at a job is not working for me. So, so I just kind of wanted to look into the why behind that. So I think that's kind of where the idea came from. And then as I started talking to other Black women who work for themselves and hearing their stories, I noticed that there were a lot of similarities where we do kind of feel like we're pushed into entrepreneurship as opposed to having a very structured plan. You know, we're not more often than not, I'd say we're not in a position where it's like, okay, I've been at this job for 10 years, you know, saved up tons of money that I can live off of as I grow, you know, my business. It's kind of like a, a survivor tactic, basically. That was basically where the idea came from and just exploring the mental health side of entrepreneurship and what goes along with that. And Like you mentioned, self-care, you know, I think when we're working for ourselves, there's a lot of pressure that we put on ourselves to make our businesses a success so that we don't have to go back to a nine to five. So I just felt like all of those different nuances affect Black women in particular. And I hadn't really seen any books like that. A lot of books focus more on the money that you can make or, you know, the success story of whoever, but not so many that talk about the not so fun parts of entrepreneurship. So I just kind of wanted to show that different side. It's interesting what you've shared, because when I decided to leave my job after 10 years, Mm-hmm. I did not have tons of money saved necessarily. I definitely felt kind of pushed out from the system in a couple of different ways, which was, I felt like the way that I was naturally was always going to be a problem in a workspace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when I, uh, when I was a little girl, I feel like everyone has this story. <laughs> I was a little girl in Boulder, Colorado, very hippie town, very chill place. And, um, I'll never forget that I got put in the doghouse, the metaphorical doghouse for recess because I was talking. Mm. And so they, what they would do, this was like the biggest punishment ever, by the way, I'm still traumatized. (laughs) So they would, they draw a doghouse on the chalkboard. And if your name was in there, you couldn't go out and play. Mm. And I got that punishment. uh, And it was the only time I was ever punished in school, by by the way. So it sticks out. Mm. Um, And it's funny because my ability to talk to people and make friends be gregarious has been one of those skills that have that has really served me well both in the role that i used to work in with my clients but not necessarily with my colleagues mm-hmm. and yeah. then in my business it served me very well because you touched on it mm-hmm. networking right. so my ability to be social was has been the thing that's kept me fed mm. and so it's funny you writing this book kind of touching on I was not a natural entrepreneur. Like I never in my wildest dreams sat there and thought, well, I want to work for myself. Mm -hmm. There was a point though, when I started creating online content about three years in, I started seeing people that I, I knew making money online. So I got excited about the idea of that, but I never necessarily thought that I would end up not working at all for someone in a traditional way. Right. But there were things that just kept being problematic in terms of 
my ability to to grow in any business and this and these were things that kept coming up over and over again as i worked for other people my entire working life so things like raises I would laugh at the raises. I'd be like, are you kidding? Like this is, you consider this something I should be excited about. (laughs) Right. Are are you serious? And the the last raise made me laugh so much because I figured out it ended up, it was something like 2.9% and I was salaried, but it ended up with the amount of work I was doing. It was like a quarter an hour. Hmm. And I was like, screw you. Like, are you kidding? (laughs) There were things like if I were to be promoted, they would always be lateral promotions instead of promoted up, which was obviously problematic. I hated that oftentimes I was the only woman of color or person of color in my workplace. And so I felt like I couldn't emote in the way that I am now Mm, on this show. because maybe people would misread my emotion, you know? And so I just got tired. I was like, I am tired of this. I got to go. And so (laughs) that, that just became the impetus for me being like, you know, I've learned how to make money online. I don't know if it's sustainable money, but I've learned to do it. Maybe this is going to be better than staying and feeling some sort of way about working with other, uh, for other people. Now I love working with people. Mm -hmm. I hate working for other people. And I learned it again. I learned it again because I, I picked up a part-time community manager role recently that I just finished with after four months. And I was like, I can't, I hate working for other people. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. (laughs) And, and the reason why are certain things that just for all Americans are problematic vacation Mm -hmm. time. having to ask permission for things like there's just all these things and then when you add the fact that I'm a black woman and maybe some subconscious bias and things like that even in the most well-meaning spaces I was like I got I it's I've got to go but the problem is when you go like that I was very ill prepared for what entrepreneurship really is because I wasn't and so you know how some people are natural entrepreneurs I was not a natural entrepreneur right and so for you as you grow your business what are the things that you're like i wow (laughs) i gotta do this what so share share your thoughts on entrepreneurship and i think all the things that you just touched on are exactly what i experienced you know at work and you know even when you mentioned being at school and being punished you know for who you are um like i've had those experiences as a kid myself you know people say i'm too bossy they're like why are you always telling people what to do i don't know like just like things like i'm a virgo (laughs) (laughs) i'm like this is who i am Right. No, I'm an Aries, but I'm like, I'm teasing, I'm, like, I'm, teasing. Yeah. I'm like, no, I like things being organized. I like structure, you know, like I'm just very, everything has to be in its place. But that was always seen as a problem, you know, especially, you know, even as I got into the workplace, it's like, I'm very efficient. I'm like, you know, we can do this and be done in an hour. And they're like, no, let's <laughs> keep doing this thing. That's going to take five hours. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. So it's like, so there's always that friction, you know, that you have like you said when you're speaking your mind when you're trying to be yourself when you're trying to show up fully um but you really can't so I think I was always like a shadow of myself and I couldn't really do work in a way that felt fulfilling to me which was what led me to to get into entrepreneurship because 
I was like, okay, working for somebody else is not going to work. So I felt like even if I left my other job, you know, my last job, I was thinking, hey, maybe I can look for something else in the nonprofit world. But then quickly, I'm like, no, it's probably going to end up being the same because I'm like, I have these issues at every job. So it's not just a, it's not just the place. It's like, I got to a point where I know that like, this is just the culture as a whole. And like you said, it affects everybody, but I feel like it was affecting me even more as a black woman, because on top of the issues of, you know, having to ask for this and all the office politics and bureaucracy, there was also that I, you know, the bias that people have toward us, whether they say it or not, or whether they are intentional. It's like, it's just always there. So yeah, so I definitely have found, you know, it's kind of being pushed into entrepreneurship that this is a better fit for me because I am able to be direct. You know, I am able to be efficient. Working for yourself requires you to make a lot of those big decisions. It requires you to advocate for yourself. So I feel like those are all things that I've naturally been doing, but was kind of punished for it in the workplace. And I feel like as an entrepreneur, I'm actually rewarded for those things because like, that's what people are looking for. Like they want people to solve problems. They want people to tell them, Hey, I have a better way, you know, that we can do this. It's not seen as you being combative or problematic. It's, I mean, it's seen as doing business, which is what it is. So I think those are probably some of the big things that I've noticed that actually work well for me and help me be better, you know, as an entrepreneur. I want to talk more about money. So Michelle's Money Hungry is very much a show that talks about the intersection of personal finance, equity. And I think my audience would be ill-served if we didn't kind of talk money more. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think is interesting in the statistics about Black women and their business enterprises is the earnings aspect of those enterprises. And so uh, one of the things that has come up in, in the data is that these businesses aren't making significant amounts of money. They're making probably the same amount that you would working for someone else. Right. And so I am curious to hear what, what your thoughts are on that in terms of your experience within your business. I'll share mine after you, but I do think it's something important to kind of touch on. Yeah, definitely. And you know, this is my, my thing as I'm always ranging about on Twitter too, is black women not being paid as much. So, so I definitely have had frustrations with it. And I mean, I still feel like it's an ongoing challenge to get the amount of money that I feel is enough to like really push me past, like you said, the the salary that I would have at a regular job. So that's something that's ongoing. And it's one of those things where I don't want to just tell people, charge what you're worth or do this or do that, because we know that, yes, you can charge what you're worth. Yes, you can say, I want X amount of money. But unless that client agrees with you, then you're pretty much in the same position that you would be if you did negotiate, you know, in the first place. So I'm hesitant to tell people just charge what you're worth or, you know, do this or do that, because I believe there's also a responsibility for clients, companies, you know, brands to help bridge the gap. Um, Because as Black women, I believe we are negotiating for the salaries that we deserve and we are 
um, charging based on our skill sets, but then even with myself and friends of mine who are black women or women of color, you know, we, we all talk about how companies will still push back or say, no, that's too expensive or no, we don't have the budget. So it's like, if you're doing all the things and companies are still pushing back, then I would say it's not just an us problem. I would say it's, it's probably industry specific, whatever industry that you're in, that they are not paying you what they should be because they know they can get away with it. So there's a lot of layers to it. And I know it's not something that will change overnight, but that is why I talk about the importance of, you know, like pay transparency and companies actually sharing the rate, especially with freelancing, because I feel like that even more of a gray area, because it, like I said earlier, it's such a different range. You know, you can have people who are charging way at the end of the, you know, at the bottom of the scale and then people who are charging top dollars. So it just varies. Um, but yeah, I think just continuing to call it out, continuing to have discussions. And, and then whenever I, you know, negotiate with clients myself, I just try to ask for way more <laughs> just because I'm like, I know they're probably going to lowball me to begin with. So I just try to shoot as high as I possibly can and, and then go from there. It's interesting because I have a similar yet very different take on this. I definitely think that businesses will, and I kind of feel like this is regardless of who you are, they will try to get the most out of, they will suck you dry yeah. regardless. Like they, it's just, it's how American, especially in the US, how American business works. Right. And so part of why I was so motivated a couple years ago to build out other products was so that I could always be like, no, mm. you know what I mean? Like if yeah. they came up to me and they offered a thing and I was like, that's not, you know what? No. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I have some thoughts about the industry, in my view, typically they're going to always, it's, it's a business for a reason. It's not help, help Michelle and Quenisha. You know what I mean? Like they're, yeah, they're right. not in it to serve me. Right. They're in it yeah. to, to serve their stakeholders and their stockholders and their clientele. Right. And so me understanding that going into the conversation, I feel like changes everything. Right. I think the other thing is just you talked about pay transparency in freelancing, which is a huge, huge, huge issue. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I found was just really connecting with financial allies who are very deliberately sharing what they were getting paid, who they're working with, who was difficult to work with. And these are white people mm -hmm. who are who like, look, this is who we're working with. This is the kind of work we're doing. This is what, what I got paid. And this is how we did it. That has been quite honestly, the key to me. I was getting more lucrative work, but getting connected with a financial ally group who were friends to begin with really opened up a lot more opportunities that I had no idea about. And yeah. so I think that that is the other piece too, which is financial allies. Hey guys, if you're listening, if you see that you have a friend who seems to not be progressing in the same way that you are in the same field and you're like, well, why don't they know? They probably don't know. Hmm. Reach out to your friend and let them know about a opportunity. Just give them the information. It may or may not pan out, but, or they may or may not say yes, but that information will help inform them and make better choices, which is what has been really helpful for me. I actually stopped freelancing uh, like a year or so ago for eight months. I just stopped doing it 
because I felt that I felt a lot of what you were describing. I was, I have a certain number of pieces that I would want to do a month in general. I don't want this to be my only revenue stream, which was something that I was always very concerned about. That year was difficult because I made less money, but coming out of that year, because I was developing products, but coming out of that year, it worked out because then as those products were selling, I could just be like, no, son, this is, this is, I can laugh at you now. Right. Um, but the other thing is with getting connected with financial allies, I asked a lot of questions. I was like, how are you making this money? Like, what are you doing? What are you, what's your calculation on what projects you're going to take? How much you're going to say yes to? Some of these people that I, I speak with daily are making six figure incomes and some projects they would take would surprise me. And they'd be like, well, I'm taking this $250 project because it only takes me half an hour to do. So why not? Mm. And it grows my brand. And I was like, that's legit. Like I could see that like for an hour, 250 bucks or less than an hour. Okay. And then, but then they would be like, oh, but I also do this other 800 word project for $1,200. And I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> so, right. so they had these projects that they would prioritize because they had the end, like they understood the end mm -hmm. and then they could focus on their passion content, which might not necessarily pay as well. That's a good point too, that you brought up that I've also been working through is having those projects, you know, that are kind of like fun, but maybe don't pay as much, but then the other work that, you know, is higher paying and maybe not super glamorous, super exciting, but it does pay the bills so that you can take some of those lower paying assignments too. So yeah, that's definitely a, a good strategy. And it wasn't something that I'd necessarily thought about. Cause again, for a long time, I was just too broke to like, it took a long time to emerge out of how broke I was because I just was, I was just still paying off a significant amount of debt. Now is interesting because I feel like I like the, the minimum pay that I'm getting for most of my projects. And so now I'm figuring out, okay, if I do this number of projects per month, this is how I can make this amount of money and I'll be transparent. So I'm looking at doing about 16 projects for other clients, um, for my clients a month at about five to $700 minimum. Uh -huh. So I'm getting about 8,300 a month. That's yeah. the goal. But before, and, and that's outside of any other products and services that I might, I might sell. And so now I've committed to freelance writing in my case, because now I'm doing projects that hit all of the interests and also like the social impact, the easy editors to work with, which is another thing. Uh -huh. And then also, do they pay quickly? Like I'm not trying to be scrounging for my money. Oh, and right. so I think that's the other thing too. It's, it's once you get those systems in place and once you get other people telling you what to avoid and what you and your heart know you want, want to avoid, it's like, okay, what are the systems I can set up so that each month I'm good? Mm -hmm. All right. Definitely. And that took a lot longer than I ever expected. Right. Yeah, for sure. It does. And that's, I mean, that's the thing about freelancing. And that's why I'm, I'm always a little leery about, you know, the courses or whatever, where they say like, oh, this is the, you know, blueprint to making X amount of money from freelance. I'm like, no, it's not because like, there are so many different angles, you know, like you said, you have to think about, do I like working with this client? Do they pay quickly? You know, is the work 
can I get it done within, you know, X amount of hours? So it's like, there's so many different factors that you have to think about other than just 500. I mean, because I've had some clients who pay 500, I'm like, oh, that's a lot of money. And then I realized like, oh, they also want me to do like 25 hours of work for that. And it's going <laughs> to take them like three months to pay me. So it's like, it's like so yep. you think about, you know, those things as you're, as you're working with different clients, um, because it's not just, it's not just the dollar amount. I guess that's what I've also realized as a freelancer is that it's not just the dollar, you know, that I see in front of me. It's just like, what are they asking me to do? What's the scope of work? How, you know, how many revisions do they want me to do? Like, there's so many things that, that go into it. So it, it does take time to actually figure out your rhythm and what works for you specifically. We're kind of winding down our conversation and I have a couple of kind of final questions for you. I think the first one is, why is it important that you share social equity type content on both your platform and on other people's platforms? Because I feel like in the writing that you attract and look for, that you are are also addressing issues that you care about. Why is that so important to you? That's a good question. Um, if you didn't do that, that would change your business, right? Yeah, right. So, so um, that's the point of why I'm asking that. Yeah, um, I think I do it because, I mean, it's something that it's important to me. Like I, yes, we can talk about money. Yes, we can talk about careers and all that. But I, I guess for me, I've noticed that there are different layers to it. And I know like getting into the personal finance space in the beginning, there was a lot. I mean, I think people still say it now, like, oh, don't talk about politics. Don't talk about race. Don't talk about that. It's like, but these things are literally all connected. So I'm like, I don't see how we can't, you know, talk about that. We can't talk about finance, you know, or saving money or buying a home without also factoring in, well, what happens if you're a woman? What happens if you're a person of color, you know, what happens if you have a disability, you know, or if you have, if you come from a low income background, it's like, there's so many factors that affect wealth, that affect personal finance, you know, that affect your capability to reach those milestones, you know, like, if it was easy to be financially independent, we would all be financially independent by now. It's like, but obviously like, there's more, like there's more that goes into it than just invest your money, you know, save 10% of what you make. It's like, there's, there are so many other things that go along with it. And I've noticed that for myself because I try to save up this much money. I would try to cut my expenses and then I'm like, oh, this still isn't working. You know, it's like, because there's other things that go along with it, you know, like even last year I got a divorce it's like so now I have to think about how that factors into my finances so it's like mm -hmm. there's so many social political racial emotional things that go on you know depending on where your mental health is you might not be able to do as much work I just think there's so many layers to to finance and honestly I feel like if I didn't talk about those issues it wouldn't feel honest it would feel like I'm just kind of doing this very surface level writing and just doesn't feel truthful to who I am. It's funny because I, I don't think we touched on this about entrepreneurship and, and women of color going into business for themselves. But for me, going to business for myself was very much a social equity move. Mm. Uh, in retrospect, like I, 
I am slow fire. I believe in the whole slow fire movement. And it's funny because I spoke with, I spoke with Jamila Mm -hmm. from journey to launch recently. And, and unfortunately I wasn't able to, sometimes when you're in an interview, it's like you forget a thought and I wasn't able to express to her that for me, slow fire leads with life. Hmm. And regular fire does not, but that slow fire also is very much equity driven. And by that, what I mean is for me as an American, just as an American, regardless of color, whatever, there are things that I don't have access to that I know people in other countries do Hmm. like three, four week vacations. So I can take care of myself, healthcare, mental health and well-being, time, all these things that I think are needed to live a healthy and happy life. And even though on paper, my old job looked great, I was commuting, I was working 60 plus hours a week. And in addition to the commute, I was stressed the hell out. I was dealing with 600 people who were speaking various levels of English because um, they were international students, adults. I was being mistreated by a colleague who would literally walk by me and roll her eyes. She would roll her eyes during meetings. She would walk by me and pretend like she didn't see me when she walked by me for five years. And so when I quit, my thought was, what can I do to design the best life for me? Because my country won't do that for anyone. Mm. You know what I mean? Like the US of A, (laughs) you can make a lot of money, Mm -hmm. but unless you're in tech, it's very difficult, or, or actually education can be good too, depending on where you're working. But there are very few fields that will lead with the team in mind, right? right? Yeah. So like I have this huge crush on Dan Price, the guy oh, on yeah, Twitter. Oh yeah, 70,000, yeah. Yes, I, I, love, I love him. And the reason why is he leads with his, his community, with his colleagues first. Uh-huh. And you can, you can run a business like that, right? Like you, you can run a large business in that way. And I thought, you know what? I'm a business of one. I have to lead my business in my best interest hmm. because no one else will. Right. Or it's very unusual that someone else will. The Oikos uh, yogurt guy does it as well. You know, they're, they're, they're examples of it, but it, it's like you're made to feel badly here if you lead with the person. Right. And I was like, I have to I have to lead with me because this is my one life. If I'm reincarnated, it's a different life, Hmm. right? And and so I kind of would like for you to talk about how being an entrepreneur has helped you to design a better life or has it? What what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, definitely. And I'm I'm glad you brought that up because that probably would have been the point that I would have forgotten to make and be like, oh man, (laughs) so so thank you. Um, Yeah, but that's, I mean, that is, really what I've been thinking about so much since I started. I mean, I've been doing this since just two years, which I know is not a long time, you know, in entrepreneur world, but I really have thought about that. And that's a lot of what I'm talking about in the book too, is not just how much money you can make, because I think in a lot of entrepreneurship spaces, it is about, you know, making the six figure income and having, the huge contracts. And I'm like, okay, that's great. But if you're still, like you said, working the 60 hour weeks or you're, you know, now we have zoom calls. I've seen people Mm -hmm. say, Oh, I'm doing 20 zoom calls a week. I'm like, I don't want to do that. (laughs) I'm like, that is literally the whole point that I left a job because I do not. Yes. Like I don't want to be in meetings all the time. I don't want to be you know, just ripping and running all over the place, working all hours. So 
I've been thinking the same thing. Like, how can I run my business in a way that I'm living my life? You know, my life doesn't revolve around, I don't, I guess I should say, I don't want my life to revolve around the business. Like I want to have my life and also have the business, you know, like I don't want it to be so intertwined to where I never have time for myself or where I feel like I can never step away. Um, So that's definitely something that I'm hoping we can move toward with entrepreneurship is actually designing it in a way that you that you have a life you know that you have freedom because I feel like that's for a lot of people I know the reason why we get into entrepreneurship to begin with is because we want that freedom and we want flexibility so I think to get that freedom you have to think about what it is that you want outside of just making money um like do you want time where you can spend with your family do you want to be able to you know take a week off without you know, everything going to hell. So um, yeah, I'm definitely looking at entrepreneurship more holistically and focusing on my wellness. I mean, like even in the last year, you know, it's like there have been days where I'm like, yeah, I can't focus right now. (laughs) You know, it's like, so do I want to keep pushing myself to work just because I feel like I don't have a choice, but I don't want to do that because that to me is the same as going into an office every day. So definitely just looking at ways to be able to take care of myself and to work with clients, you know, who understand, hey, there's a lot going on right now. So no, we're not going to punish you. You have to push this deadline back a couple of days. So just little things like that, um, I think is important when you're working for yourself so that you do have room to to just be human because that's I mean that's what we are despite the business despite all the money you know it's like we have to take care of ourselves what does 2021 and beyond look like like what what are the goals that you have for yourself and where do you what are you hoping to have happen I was sure asking about goals um (laughs) (laughs) you're like look Um, let me just get through this pandemic Michelle (laughs) right that's the goal uh no I Well, I mean, of course, the book, that's the number one goal. So that will be out uh, in June. So and share the name of your book again, please. It's working twice as hard. The reality of entrepreneurship for black women. Um, Yeah, so that book will be out in June. And so I'm really excited about that and hoping to, you know, just continue to talk to people and hopefully, you know, do some more podcast interviews and just, you know, get some conversations going with that. Um, And other than that, I mean, I'm just, I'm pretty open to what's going to happen. You know, I just, I feel like this is going to be something that I can kind of build my business on. So I kind of see this book as the foundation and then just moving from there and and seeing what happens. So I don't have any other major goals, you know, as far (laughs) as like income or things like that. I'm just kind of like pacing myself and taking taking what comes uh one day at a time because I'm usually the person who plans everything out you know to the letter but Mm -hmm. as we know life never works out the way you plan so I'm just I'm trying to be a little more uh go with the flow a little more what has it been like during COVID I, I actually feel like this is a good last question because we had an interesting past year we had a global pandemic we had a social movement happen, like come to the forefront because of murders, basically. Um, we had a coup 
attempt. So as Americans, as women of color, we've had a, a very intense year. And so as a result of all those things, especially the Black Lives Matter movement, uh, we got approached. I, sh- I know you did, uh, as well as I did, by a lot of companies and stuff who are like, hey, <laughs> yes. let's do some business. Talk about your experience with that. And what are things looking like now? We vaguely talked about this, but I want to get a little more into it before we wrap up. That was true uh, during that time is that I did have a lot of, a lot more interest, you know, as everyone was wanting to amplify Black voices. So I'd say, what was that? June and July were probably my busiest months last year. I'd say probably June to August was the busiest for me. I kind of had a mix of emotions, I guess, because on one hand, March, you know, was like when everything hit the fan. So there was nobody hiring at all. So I was like, oh my goodness, what, what's going to (laughs) happen? And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, all these people want to work with me now. So I was happy of course you know to have the work and have the income and then there was also that other side which I talk about in the book as well which is you know that they know that they're working with you because you're black and because of everything that happened so it's like you're dealing with the trauma and tragedy you know of everything that was going on but then you're still having to kind of put on this happy you know demeanor to work with these companies who you know are interested in in you now because it's it's trendy, basically. So it was, it was a mix of emotions. I was having to kind of deal with it. I think I kind of had to compartmentalize some things just to kind of like get it done. But then after August, I think I did have a time where I was just really down and just kind of drained from everything that had happened because it was just so much just happening back to back that you don't even get process everything all at once. So I think after that, I did kind of take some time away. And I do still work with a couple of clients. I think things have slowed down a little bit, which I mean, we all kind of expected. So I wasn't like <laughs> super surprised. I think it was just another experience where I had to decide what is it that I want to do? Like, okay, they want to work with me because of obviously my race. So do I want to take this opportunity to help support myself financially and also, you know, get a little more work for my portfolio, but then also not compromise myself in a way where I'm just looked at as a token, basically, for lack of a better word. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so I think just finding that balance and again, using those experiences, like working with those clients to say like, hey, if we're going to do this, like, let's do it right. You know, let's not do it just because we're trying to fit in with everybody else or, you know, say some, some good things that good for PR. I'm actually going to use my voice, you know? So I think just being very clear about that was also another way for me to get through that process so that people could know that like, this is important to me. And even if it is a trend for you, this is my life. So just Mm -hmm. making sure that that comes out in my work. For people who would like to support your content, buy your book, all the things, if you could share your platforms and how we can find you, that would be wonderful. So I am mainly on Twitter and my Twitter handle there is at kwright0702. That's right with the W. Um, And my website is moneytherightway.com and that's right with a W. And I also, I have a link to my 
page for the book, um, which I guess I can give to you later on. Yeah, but, definitely give that to me. Yeah, but it's on the same website. And then there's just working twice as hard. So it's it's a landing page that just has all the info about my book. Definitely forward that to me and I'll include that in the show notes as well.